sound good? Okay. Um, today's reading comes from John 3, 1 to 15. Um, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he was born again. Now, how can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to, birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asks. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Thank you. <laughs> Can I steal your stool? Thank you. All right. So someone was telling me before the service that it was a travesty that we were ending at verse 15 and not reading verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know, the most famous verse in all the Bible. Uh, and that's a great verse, but it's not what we're talking about tonight. Uh, so maybe we'll get to that verse uh, uh, another night. But have you guys been enjoying the fall so far? I mean, it's been a pretty incredible fall. Uh, what do you guys like most about the fall? Apple cider. Pum I'm with you. Pumpkin everything. Even, okay, I'm a coffee addict, but in the fall, I'll occasionally get a pumpkin spice latte, because pumpkin, I know, it's a girly drink, I understand, but it's okay. In the fall, it's acceptable. What else? Cooler weather? Lots of piles of leaves? Okay, no one's saying baseball. I'm, Bob and I are the only baseball fans here. Uh, Postseason baseball, this is like the first postseason in a long time that my team, the Cleveland Indians, actually have a shot at making, so I'm really pumped about this. No one said football either. If you're big football fans, you'd be watching the Colts play right now, right? So uh, thank you for being here instead. Uh, there's a lot of great things about the fall. One of the things I'm really looking forward to this fall, other than the Cleveland Indians playing, is the start of the TV series The Walking Dead. Any, any other big fans of The Walking Dead? Just me. Okay, there's like me and three others. All right. You guys, if you haven't seen The Walking Dead, you need to check out. You can catch up on Netflix. It's fantastic. It's one of the best shows on TV. It's one of these zombie shows, you know, zombie apocalypse kind of thing. Uh, I love the show so much. I actually have a, a sticker on the window of my truck, a zombie attack tactical unit. It's partly because I love the show so much. It's also partly because it embarrasses my wife. And I consider that one of my missions in life, uh, to embarrass my... So if you ever see my wife and I dressed alike, it's because I knew what she was wearing and then I put on clothes that would match hers just to embarrass her, because it's so much fun. <laughs> she gets so mad. 
but the zombie apocalypse genre of stuff, I really like it. There's some really bad movies out there too, you know, zombie apocalypse stuff. But my son and I were, were talking about zombies the other day, and, and it hit me. They're kind of profound little creatures there. You know, what do you do with a zombie? They're kind of living. Have you guys seen that, that commercial, the, I think it's a Verizon commercial, where the zombie comes into the Verizon store and, you know, he wants to know about the unlimited for life. And he's like, well, what about if you're not alive? But he's there. So, you know, zombies are kind of alive, but not really alive, right? So what are they? Half alive? I don't know. So my son and I were having a deep conversation about whether or not zombies were actually alive, and he said no, and I said yes, but you know, those are the philosophical conversations you get into with a 12-year-old boy. Um, but as I started thinking about it, there's a lot of parallels between zombies and Nicodemus. So this title of the sermon, which I was incredibly proud of, was Jesus Meets a Zombie. Because Nicodemus thought for sure he was alive, but not completely alive. That's what Jesus tells him, at least. Uh, you're alive, but you need new life. You've been born, but you need to be born again. A different kind uh, of life. Uh, the story is actually one... It's a kind of weird story. The dialogue is weird. It says Nicodemus, he, he's a Pharisee, which means he's one of the kind of upper echelon uh, of Jewish religious leaders. He, he's, he knows his stuff, and he's a ruler uh, of the people. So he's a pretty important guy. And he comes to Jesus one night, and people have speculated all in, about why he comes at night. You know, maybe he's a little bit embarrassed or scared. You know, Jesus wasn't the most popular guy among the, the religious leaders of the day, so maybe he comes under the cloak of darkness to talk to, to Jesus and ask his questions. I don't know if that's true. It's speculation. I think maybe Jesus was surrounded by such big crowds all the time that you couldn't get in and really have a good conversation with Jesus. So Nicodemus waits till night, when he can actually go in and sit and have a conversation with Jesus and and get into deep things with Jesus. He, I mean, he know, Nicodemus knows his stuff. He sees that Jesus knows his stuff, and, and he wants to engage Jesus. He says, Jesus, or actually he says, Rabbi, uh, we know that you must be from God because no one could do the kinds of things you're doing unless he comes from God. Now Jesus shows, I'm sorry, Nicodemus shows Jesus a lot of respect. He calls Jesus Rabbi. Even though Jesus, technically, hadn't gone to the right rabbinical schools. He hadn't gone through the process of, of becoming a rabbi. But Nicodemus, a rabbi himself, recognizes something in Jesus. And he says, teacher, rabbi, we know that there's something special about you. It, you come from God. You, you must be a prophet. You must be anointed of God. Because no one could do the, the, the miracles that you're doing unless that's true. So he shows Jesus respect, but there's still kind of a, you sense it, kind of a standoffishness. We're evaluating you. Uh, so far, we give you a thumbs up. You're doing some pretty cool things. Must be that you're from God. But we want to know more. Uh, that's how Nicodemus begins the conversation. But there it takes this weird turn. 
Nicodemus has said, we know you're from God, you've done some pretty great miracles. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. I mean, that's a pretty radical jump in topic. I mean, it's like Jesus is channel surfing. You know, it goes from Nicodemus talking about football to Jesus talking about UFOs. I, I mean, it's just, what's the connect here, Jesus? Jesus does that a lot. Have you noticed that? Someone will come with a question or a topic, and Jesus almost just disregards that and goes for the really important thing. You know, where do we worship? Should we worship on this mountain or on that, that mountain? That's not the real issue. Let's get to the real issue. I think that's what he's doing here with Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, we've, we've seen the miracles you've done, the signs. And I think Jesus is saying, no, you haven't. <laughs> you haven't really seen them for what they are. These signs that I'm doing, they're signs that the kingdom of God is here now. They're signs that I am the Christ, the Messiah, the one you've been teaching about and waiting for, the one who's going to come and, and bring the kingdom. That's what these signs are all about. You, you've seen them but you haven't seen them. And you can't see them unless you're born again. Nicodemus' mind is, is reeling, right? He says, well, how's that going to happen? How, how am I going to be born again? Am I, I going to climb back into my mother's womb? I'm an older man now. That's not going to happen, Jesus. How can I be born again? And Jesus says, well, you got to. <laughs> unless you're born of water and the Spirit... You'll never enter the kingdom of God. That which is flesh gives birth to flesh. But Nicodemus, you need more than flesh. You also have to be born of the Spirit if you're going to see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Again, Nicodemus' mind is whirling now because it's not just this born-again language, which is pretty mind-blowing. It's also what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was one that, because he was a Pharisee, he had taught and heard about the kingdom of God. And it was this thing that was coming in the future. It was this end of history thing. And it was God's reign. And Nicodemus, like most Jews, assumed that all Jews would be a part of the kingdom of God. Unless you were an apostate or radically wicked yours was the kingdom of God but Jesus is saying no no the kingdom is here now you can see it you can enter it even now and it's not just enough Nicodemus that you're born of this lineage that you're a part of the Jewish people you also have to be born again it's a familiar story. I mean, we've probably, if you grew up in Sunday school, you've heard the story of Nicodemus and Jesus. But it's an important story. It, it reminds us of, of a couple important truths, I think. Uh, it reminds us of the importance of the kingdom of God. And that the kingdom of God is, is here now and is a future thing. I think still today we, we kind of have that mindset of 
Nicodemus, that the kingdom of God is something that's going to come in, in the future. But Jesus, all throughout the Gospels and in here, he speaks of it as though it's a, it's a now thing. You can see it now. You can enter it now. You can be a part of it now. That comes with amazing blessings. Being a part of the kingdom of God in the here and the now. The kingdom of God comes with amazing blessings that we get to, to benefit from, like being a part of a kingdom community, the church. The church is supposed to be a, an outpost, a, an expression of the kingdom of God, where we operate by, by different values. And one of those chief core values is love. And being a part of the kingdom of God means we're part of this community where we can experience kingdom values and love now. It also means, maybe primarily, a relationship with God here and now. Not just something future, but something we can experience now. We can call God Father now. We can be in relationship with Him now. And the Spirit. Throughout the Old Testament, the Spirit was foreshadowed and foretold is the word I'm looking for. It would be the, the gift of the Spirit that would be the sure sign that the kingdom of God had arrived. And Jesus here is talking about being born of the Spirit and having the Spirit. And we get to experience that now as we live and move in this kingdom of God. It, it comes with great blessings and it comes with incredible responsibilities. The kingdom of God is supposed to be an alternate society to the society that we live in. It's supposed to be a society where people live again and march to the beat of a different drummer. We have different values. We're supposed to be markedly different than our culture. Holy is the word that best summarizes that. So it comes with great blessings, but it also comes with responsibilities that we're supposed to live differently now that we're part of this kingdom. And it comes with the responsibility of being ambassadors of this kingdom. So as Jesus is talking with Nicodemus and talking about entering into and in seeing the kingdom of God, we take that and we think, what does that mean to us? Well, it means we have both the privileges and the responsibilities of living in the kingdom of God now. It also reminds us of the utter importance of the new birth that Jesus talks about. Nicodemus assumed that because he was a Jew, he would inherit the kingdom of God. I think it's easy for us to assume because we're Christians, and we call ourselves by that name, that we'll inherit the kingdom of God. And I think what Jesus would say to us is, it's not the label that you attach to yourself. It's whether you've experienced this new birth in the Spirit. But what does that mean? What does it mean to, to be born again? Uh, this week, I had a, a frustrating evening with one of my sons named Jacob. You know, he, he came home with a whole bunch of math homework, and he did it all, and, and then I went to check it for him uh, before I handed it in. And I realized he got every single problem wrong. 
Jake is an incredibly bright kid. He just hadn't read the instructions. And so question one was wrong, and from that point, everything else in the paper was wrong because he hadn't read the instructions. So we had to go back and erase everything he had done and start over again. It was a do-over. You know, Jake, read the instructions and do it right this time. Sometimes I think when we hear the phrase born again, that's what we hear. We get a do-over. I think that's what Nicodemus heard. You know, am I just going to crawl back into my mother's womb and be born again and, and try and get it right this time? That's not enough. A, a do-over isn't going to help you. Uh, you're going to be stuck in the same boat. Remember Jesus said, if you're born of flesh, you're just going to still be flesh. You need something more than a do-over. I, I'm not a huge video game guy. Um, my kids are, I mean, right? They have Xbox and Wii and PSP, and the, they have to limit how much video games they play. And they're all into these games like Halo and stuff like that. Way too complicated for me. I want to keep it simple. I want a racing game. You know, give me Fiorza or Need for Speed or, you know, a racing game where I, it's easy. I know how to do it. But every once in a while, you run into, the guys know what I'm talking about. You run into a, a level that you just can't beat, you know, and I'm like, ah, okay, do it again. Ah, still didn't beat it. Do it again. Nope. I, I hit every shift perfect. I hit every turn perfect. I had my lines right. I didn't crash. I, I didn't skid, and I still can't win. A do-over is not going to help me. I need a different car. That's more like what Jesus is saying. Uh, a do-over is not going to help you. You need a different kind of birth. You need to be born of the Spirit. He says you need to be born uh, of Spirit and water. Nicodemus still doesn't get it. And, and Jesus says, how can you, an, a professor of the Old Testament, not get this? Uh, this is coming right out of what the prophets spoke about. I think the passage that Jesus had in mind is Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel 36, the prophet, God is saying through the prophet, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put in you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in all my statutes and to be careful to obey all my rules. That's chapter 36. Chapter 37 is one of the coolest chapters in all of scripture in my book. Uh, it's this vision that Ezekiel has of a valley and the valley is filled with dry bones. And God says, see these bones? Can they live again? And the prophet says, God, you're God, you know. And, so, and God says, prophesy over these bones. And as Isaiah is preaching over these bones, the Spirit moves and brings these bones back to life. And they 
develop muscle and sinew and, and they begin to be animated again. And I think that's a wonderful picture of what Nicodemus needed. Nicodemus sat there in front of Jesus and was living, but needed the breath of God to come in and reanimate those dry bones, to give him spiritual life. Otherwise, he was as good as dry bones. I think that's really important for us to remember for two reasons. It's important for us to remember that what really matters is the work of God in us to bring us to life. Uh, the Apostle Paul is talking about this in Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 5 he says, we no longer, therefore, regard anyone according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. What matters is that we're new creations. Sometimes pride gets in the way and we forget that what really matters is what God has done in us not what we have done and Nicodemus he was a good person he'd been good he'd done good but not good enough he still needed rebirth he couldn't put stock in all the the good check marks on his report card. That's good. But what you need is something you can't do. <laughs> what you need is the Spirit to animate you, to bring you to life, to give you newness. Apart from that, Nicodemus, you're a good zombie that can't see the kingdom of God. I think sometimes it's very easy to subtly allow our confidence to be in what we've done. We've been to the right churches. We've gone on the right missions trips. Uh, we've memorized the right Bible verses. We are part of the right campus ministry. You can go down the list. But this passage reminds us it's not good just to be good. It's not enough. It's what God has done in us to bring us to life that matters. That's one side of the coin. I think the other side of the coin is the exact opposite of that. I think sometimes we forget that it's what God has done in us that matters, and we still, we're still being held back by our past as though we're not new creations. And Satan can use the past stuff in our life, the sin, the shame. And I think it's incredibly important when that happens that we remind ourselves we're not regarded any longer according to the flesh, according to what we've done in the flesh. That's past. We're new creations in Christ. We've been born again. We have newness of life. And so pride shouldn't get in, in our way of reliance on God and of glorifying God, nor should shame. 
and, and guilt in the past. What matters is what God does in us to bring us to life. Nicodemus's story is, is really, I think, pretty cool. He comes and this conversation that he has with Jesus just kind of trails off. And not much is said about Nicodemus. It, it seems as though he kind of leaves and is just still kind of confused by what, I mean, it's a confusing conversation. But what happens? The end of the Gospels, Nicodemus shows up again and is one of those who's at Calvary, who's at the cross, and with Joseph of Arimathea, takes Jesus' body and puts it in the tomb. I think he becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, though it doesn't necessarily happen here at this moment. It takes a while. Nicodemus has to wrestle with, who is Jesus? To me, that's a, a great reminder also that you know, conversion, uh, witnessing to people, and, and seeing them come to faith in Christ, it doesn't necessarily happen immediately. It doesn't happen overnight. God works in people. Sometimes it can take months, years. I've been praying for some people for years that they'll come to faith in Christ, that they'll recognize who He is, that God's Spirit will work in them and bring that newness of life. This passage reminds me that it can take years, but that God can do it. It's not whether or not they're going to finally make up their mind. It's the miracle of God breathing new life into them. The story is just really encouraging to me. Uh, that God works and, and breathes new life into dry bones. Uh, that he takes zombies who are not really alive and brings them into fullness of life and into the kingdom. We're going to take a few minutes and, and answer any of the questions that you might have about this topic or anyth anything else, but why don't I pray for us uh, before we do that? Father, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you for how it challenges us, how it brings us back to a place where we're utterly dependent on you. Uh, it's not dependent on, on us, but on your spirit breathing life into us. Father, I pray that you'd help us to remember that as we go out through this week and we face the challenges, as we pray for those who are far away from you still, that we can rely on, on a God who can bring people close. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.